So we are in our week two of this series going through the book of Galatians. And uh, as I shared last week, this book is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to all the churches in the area of a region of Galatia, which is present-day Turkey. So Paul wrote this letter to the churches that he planted there in the region of Galatia because he heard of the local Jews living in that region coming behind him and confusing the new Gentile believers. So as you know, we, we've got Jews and we've got Gentiles. So if you, uh, you're either a Jew or you are Gentiles. You've got the Jews and then basically everyone else. These Christian Jews... Uh, informed the churches of Galatia that they needed to follow the law of Moses and uh, while they were following Jesus. For example, they needed to be circumcised in order to call themselves Christians. That's crazy. This, uh, this, uh, their message was to add a component of works to the requirement of salvation. Yeah, yeah salvation is free, but you've got to do all these other things in order to call yourself a follower Okay, more heavy burdens on there. And, and Paul was like, no, that's not really the gospel. And so like many of our early Christians, many of us today have found freedom and grace through a relationship with Jesus Christ only to go back into what Jesus had done, uh, not what Jesus had done, but what we could do for ourselves. Many times as we follow and we find that grace and that freedom, we tend to go back and say, oh, well, I need to, I need to do all these other things and, and, to, and to make sure I'm really following Jesus. When it's really more about a desire and not a duty. That's where the freedom comes. And we're going to talk about that. The difference between duty and desire. So this, this sort of turning back to that, it, it, it takes the most freeing and grace-filled gospel into a dead life of following a legalistic religion. We naturally just want to live a godly life, but we often exchange the freedom we have in Christ with things that make us feel better about ourselves. That's why a lot of people, they say, oh, I, I need to go and serve, and, they, and, they, and they, they almost drive themselves crazy. I got to do this, and I've got to volunteer for this, and got to do this, and this, and this, because they feel like they need to do those things to make them feel godly, and that's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. We need to not focus on what we can do, but what Jesus has already done. We need to focus not on earning God's approval. We need to stop that. We don't serve, we don't come to church to earn God's approval, but simply receiving God's love. We need to focus not on earning uh, we need to focus uh, not on our external duties, but developing our internal desires. We should not obey God, serve God, give to God, or even love God because we have to. We should do it because we want to. And that was really most of what we talked about last week. And we even talked about sort of two different trees. We went back all the way to the garden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. These are the trees that God placed right in the middle of the garden. One tree is full of life. We follow Jesus and obey God because we want to. That's life. The other tree brings burden to our walk of faith. This is the difference between the two gospels. We, which tree are we climbing in? Are we living in? Are we eating from today? 
the tree of life, freedom, or the tree of burden, tree of knowledge, good and evil. So let's, uh, let's continue in this letter of Galatians. So we're going to be in chapter 2. We're not going to start right at the beginning of, of, uh, of verse 1. We're actually going to jump to verse 11. And uh, verse 1 just kind of gives some more background and, and what Paul did. I encourage you to, to read that. But I'm going to get to the meat, really, of what this chapter is about. So uh, I'm in the ERV version of Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 14. When Peter came to Antioch, again, this is Paul writing this letter. When Peter came to Antioch, he did something that was not right. I stood against him because he was wrong. This, w- it, this is what happened. So he, he's basically saying Peter, which is Peter was one of the other disciples. In fact, he was one of the closest three disciples, Peter, James, and John. But Paul, as you know, didn't walk with Jesus, but he was called by Jesus on the road to Damascus, vision, Jesus, hey, Paul, I see what you're doing, now I want you to serve me, and all this stuff. And then Paul ends up writing most of the New Testament through the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. So, this is what happened. When Peter first came to Antioch, he ate and associated with the non-Jewish people. But when some Jewish men came from James... James, brother Jesus, basically from Jerusalem. James is sort of the leader of the church. Peter separated himself from the non-Jews. He stopped eating with them because he was afraid of the Jews who believed that all non-Jewish people must be circumcised. Verse 13. So Peter was a hypocrite. The other Jewish believers joined with him, so they were hypocrites too. Even Barnabas was influenced by what these Jewish believers did. They were not following the truth of the good news. When I saw this, I spoke to Peter in front of everyone. I said, Peter, you are a Jew, but you don't live like one. You live like someone who is not a Jew. So why are you trying to force those who are not Jews, Jewish to live like Jews? So basically, <laughs> and this is, this is just Peter. Yeah, now, later on, if you, if you go and read the, uh, the other uh, smaller letters uh, from Peter, uh, First and Second Peter, you can actually see there's a heart change in, in Peter. Now, if you remember, Peter, Peter was sort of someone who, he, he, he didn't like the attention uh, of, of, you know, following something and people sort of pointing to him, making fun of him, that kind of stuff. If you remember, Peter wasn't the one who denied Jesus. Why? Because he was there around the fire, and uh, people recognize him, and, and Jesus is literally in the courtyard, eyesight away from him. And Jesus even told him he was going to do this. And he was around the fire, and they said, hey, uh, aren't you one of the, the disciples? Aren't you one who followed him? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't do that. And so, even though he wants to be by Jesus, he doesn't want to be seen by others as following him. And the same thing happened here. It's still Peter. Of course, this is, this is after Christ rose from the dead and, and ascended into heaven. And, and, the, and the gospel is spreading like crazy. And Peter is mostly, he is focusing on the Jews becoming Christians. Paul, on the other hand, is focusing on the Gentiles, everybody else, becoming Christians. That's why he planted churches in the Gentile nations, okay? But even in, within the Gentile nations, there are, are villages and, and sort of pockets of Jews all over the place. Because, you know, they, they, they spread whenever persecution came. They went to all parts of the world, which is great because it helps spread the gospel. And so Paul, 
Paul was primarily focused on the Gentiles. Peter was for the Jews. And here we have Peter, still Peter. He's just still same old Peter. He comes and, and, he, and he sees all of these Gentile Christians with Paul. And he's like, man, this is great. We're going to eat together and this stuff. And, and, and Jews aren't supposed to eat with Gentiles. I mean, that's, that's a law. That's a, that's a mosaic law. And so, but when people, when the Jews came from, Jews, Christians came from, from Jerusalem and they came to where they were in Antioch, Paul's like, oh, okay, well, hey, nice to see you guys. Yeah, those people over there, you know, they, they're going to eat over there and I'm, I'm going to eat here because I'm not really supposed to associate with them. So Peter, Peter's still Peter, Okay. But as you read in First and Second Peter, he his heart he does have a heart change, and, and and but basically Paul is calling him out for that. Paul is calling him out for that. All of these people are getting the new walk of faith through Jesus and finding this new freedom to obey God with a heartfelt desire through the Holy Spirit living inside them instead of the rules forcing them to obey. But many of them go back. To eating from the wrong tree. The theme for today's message is this. How, or the question really, is how do we keep from going back to our old way of living? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about our old sinful life. I'm talking about going back to the legalistic, religious things that we do. That we depend on the things, our actions, to make us feel like we've got the approval of God. It's so easy to go back in there. You know, the times that I find myself going there, and yes, your pastor has done that many times. The times that I feel like I'm going back to there is when I don't really, I don't have that close walk with the Lord like I really should. And I don't know about you, do your weeks ever kind of do this a little bit? Okay, you have some good weeks and bad weeks and, 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 and you get some distractions and some weeks you're close to the Lord and some weeks aren't, you aren't. But those weeks that are, I don't really feel close to the Lord, I lean on my own abilities and my own sort of religious rules and practices to make me feel good about myself. And then I pile on more things. It's easier than you think to switch back and forth. In fact, I think there's sort of a, a vine hanging between the two trees. <laughs> the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, good and evil, or the tree of works, and, or the tree of freedom and the tree, the tree of works. But there's sort of this, this vine that goes back and forth and we just swing back and forth. There are days we're living in, in a life-giving freedom, following Jesus out of love and serving him with the right motivation. Then there are days we, we go back to judging people, condemning people, and living our Christian walk out of duty instead of delight. Out of duty instead of delight. This message is dedicated to those of us, me included, who feel the tension of living in the life-giving, um, the life-giving life to swing it over to back to the judgmental life. So, how do we keep from going back? How do we keep from going back to this sort of lifestyle, Christian lifestyle, where our Christianity, our approval is based upon what we do and how much we serve, even how much we give. Oh, I haven't been all that great. I'm going to give a little bit more. Give out of duty, not out of desire. So 
one thing, we got to understand the gospel. It begins with understanding the gospel. And this is what Paul sort of re-explains here in Galatians, in verse 15 through 16. Galatians 2. He says this, we are Jews by birth. We are not born sinners as we, as we call those who are not Jews. By the way, they call the Gentiles sinners. And he's kind of doing tongue in cheek here on this. But we know that no one is made right with God by following the law. It is trusting in Jesus Christ that makes a person right with God. So we have put our faith in Christ Jesus. Not because we wanted to make made right with God. And we are right with him because we trusted in him. Not because we followed the law. I can say this because no one can make, be made right with God by following the law. In other words, no one can be made right by doing all of these things. Y'all look, I, I meet, I'm very connected in the community. I meet lots of people in the community. There, there, are, there are so many good people and, and, and giving people and they, they give their time and, their, and their, their money and their resources and all of this stuff to all of these different things. But to, to my understanding of how they live their life, there's really not that connection with Christ. Great people, great people but they do some of these things to make themselves feel good. And, and to be quite honest, they don't, they don't really do it intentionally. They're really good people. Imagine if they got saved. Imagine if they got saved, what they, what they could do, how Christ could use them, how the Holy Spirit can u- use them to spread the kingdom. And so it's easy to get back into that life. When Paul talks about the law, he's talking about the Ten Commandments and the complete law of Moses with all the rules and regulations. Before Jesus came and brought us the Holy Spirit, we needed to, the, the law to live a godly life. So you may say, well, why did the law exist? Well, the law existed, the Ten Commandments and all of those things, listen, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, all of those things. Why? We didn't have the Holy Spirit. We didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like, remember, some of you here today, many of you here today, you older folks, can you remember life without the internet? I can. Yeah. Some of you young, young adults, you don't have the internet. We haven't had the internet? I mean, you know. Yes, life without the internet. I mean, it's like, it's like crazy. I mean, what, what we could do now today is unbelievable. I mean, one of, my, uh, one of my kids asked me the other day, well, well, Dad, how did you get around? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. It's like, did you use a map? I was like, I think I did, but I also asked directions. I was very observant. I was like, okay, I'm about to drive, so I need to know what's going on here. And um, it's funny, um, last week I, I was able to, to go and... Um, visit uh, some of my family in, in Houston, and so uh, I drove around sort of the old, you know, the old uh, neighborhood, and I'll tell you, I, I grew up there, but guess what, I had to, I had to use my, my Google Maps to get me around in the neighborhood I grew up in, and I was like, how did I even drive around here? I don't know, but can I tell you, that example is kind of what I'm talking about. 
You know, we can live a victorious life because we have the Spirit of God in this, the Holy Spirit. That did not come upon us. It only rested on just a few people, prophets and, and others. And, and so that Holy Spirit rested on a few folks that guide people and to, and to speak the words of God, but they had to follow the rules. Why? So they can live holy lives. That's why it was heavy. And Jesus came and said, okay, <laughs> there's a new plan. There's a new plan. And this plan is this. I mean, you don't, you don't have to just live by the Ten Commandments, not because you have to, not because of duty, because you desire it. You desire to live by these Ten Commandments. In fact, there are times I read the Bible, and it's like, it gives you some instruction. I'm like, wow, I, did, I forgot that was in there, right? It's like, well, good thing I'm living that. Why? Why am I already living that? Because the Holy Spirit aligns my spirit with the word of God, even before I read it. That's just how it works. It's like the internet. We got it. We got direct connection. And so that's why they had to have those rules and regulations. So Paul goes on to explain, verse 17 through 19, chapter 2, Galatians. We Jews came to Christ uh, to be made right with God, so it is clear that we were sinners too. Does this mean that Christ makes us sinners? Of course not. But I would be wrong to begin teaching again those things I gave up. It was the law itself that caused me to end my life under the law. I died to the law so that I could live for God. I have been nailed to the cross with Christ. So basically Paul is saying, I quit being a law man and started being a godly man. I started being, I, st- I stopped being a, a law person, a law woman, and started being a God's woman, whatever your situation is. And so we feel the tension of choosing between these two options. Most of us have chosen the tree of life as we, as we live with complete joy and freedom and desire to love and obey. But there's a secret in dealing with this tension. It's a theme of, of this particular chapter. The final two verses reveal the secret of living not as a religious person, but rather in freedom and in trust, as we're about to look at. So we're going to go into deep into the pool a little bit today. And uh, I'm going to encourage you, but I'm also going to challenge you, as I was challenged with this as well. So outside of accepting Jesus as Savior, this is the most important daily decision you will ever make. And that is this. Be crucified with Christ. Be crucified with Christ. We see this in Galatians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 20 through 21. I'm in the NIV. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith and the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside um, the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If, my, if, if righteousness could be gained by following all those rules and regulations, that Jesus didn't have to die. But obviously, he came to fulfill that, that void 
I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. You have to learn the art of dying. Folks, we all have to learn the art of dying. Because guess what? Dead men can't be jealous. Dead men can't be angry. Dead men can't live this life like the world lives. We've got to die. We call this living the crucified life. This is a principle throughout Scripture. In fact, the whole theme of Galatians is is approaching the Christian life with freedom. Not as the world would live or your own desires would want you to live. In fact, Jesus even talked about this. If you, if you go over to Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 25, Jesus uh, kind of speaks into this as we look at that. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day to be raised to life. Peter, there's our friend Peter here, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Uh, never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And here's the reason why Peter said that. <laughs> the disciples, they thought that Jesus was gonna, gonna, he was going to come and set up his, his earthly kingdom. He was going to overthrow the Roman government and set there in place, and he's going to kick butt. Right? And he's going to throw everything out and, and going to set up Jerusalem and the kingdom of God on the earth. I mean, Jesus even talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. We're like, yes, Jesus, we believe in you. We're going to serve in your courts there. Just we're waiting for you. We're waiting for this thing to go down. We're waiting for things to happen. Because that's what they thought was going to happen. <laughs> but Jesus said, hey, by the way, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to die. Peter's like, excuse me? I thought I heard you say you were going to die. Really? Yes, I'm, I'm going to die. That goes against what Peter thought and the disciples thought was going to happen. It's like, no, 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 Jesus. You've got this all wrong. You've got this all wrong. That's not the plan. That's not, according to my handbook, my Jewish handbook, you're supposed to come and you're supposed to set up your earthly kingdom. You are the Messiah and we're going to rule and reign with you and it's going to be right here on earth. And so, and so we, we sort of fight that just like Peter did. Look at verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, he's not telling Peter directly. He's telling the spirit behind him. He's telling the spirit behind him, get behind me. And God can use people. I mean, obviously God can use people, but not only God, but the devil can use people. The devil can even use people within the church. It's like, no, I'm going to rebuke that. That's not of God. That's not of God. Not that they are filled with the devil. It's just the devil uses and works. And so that's what Jesus is doing. Peter wasn't filled with the devil. He was allowing the devil to speak into him. And Jesus said, no, no, no. We're not going to do that. I rebuke you. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Wow. I mean, this is like, this is hard stuff. You know, you can, you can tell you're living in the wrong tree 
when you're offended by anything interrupting your plans. And that's what Peter had issues with. He had his own plans. He had his own agenda. Earthly kingdom. Jesus, earthly kingdom. And so he was, he was uh, offended by that. Jesus basically told Peter, there's too much of you going on right now. <laughs> Peter, this is not about you. This is, there's too much of you going on right now. Jesus introduces the concept of living the Christian life to the fullest, not after their own desires and their own emotions. They practice living the crucified life. In order to live life to the fullest, something must die. In order for you to live life to the fullest, something must die in your life. I want to convince you today, along with the move of the Holy Spirit, to live the crucified life by daily putting some things to death that don't need to show their ugly head. You need to put some things to death. I, I need to put some things to death. Boy, you walk in, I walk in this life, and ever, I mean, all of a sudden, these, these things just show up in my, in my life, and I'm like, where did that come from? I need, to, I need to crucify that. I need to crucify, put to death pride. I need to put aside, I need to crucify my agenda. I need to crucify these things. And so what, what Peter missed, and often we miss too, is, is Peter, <laughs> Peter wanted the situation to change. Like, Jesus, that's not the plan. No, it needs to be like this. When actually... Jesus is all about changing Peter. He was all about changing Peter. And earlier, when we read in Galatians, when he went to go visit the, the, the Gentile Christians, he still had the old Peter. Even though he, I mean, he was following Jesus and, and, and living for him and even, even winning souls to him, there's still some of that crucifying of the flesh that Peter just had to do later on in life. He was able to do that. And it could it's rear its ugly head all the time. There, let me share this with you. We want changed situations, but God wants to change us. You might be facing tough situations in your, in your life right now. You might be facing tough situations with your, with your finances, your health, your marriage, your, your workload, how much you're working, and you want to, everything to change, and you want God to change that, but God wants to use that to change you. He wants to use that to change you. Some of, those, some of those situations in your life, when they come up, look at them and you need to ask yourself this question. Why is this here? And it's most likely there so God can use it to change you. God can use it to change you. And I still pray for things to change in my life. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's a real fact. If you ever want to find the fullness of life, you won't find it after those situations change if you're still the same person. If there are situations in your life you're trying them to, for God to change, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they, if they change if you're still the same person. 
allow those things to change you and for God to do his work in you. We most often don't need our situation to change. We just need to change. In order for me to change, something has to die. Something has to die. Check out Romans uh, 6, 6 through 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Think about this. Jesus even had to die so he could live in heaven. Ultimately, so we can live, uh, yes, obviously, so we can live, that's why he died. But in order for Jesus to rise from the dead in his new glorified body, he had to die. We need to do the same, not physically, but spiritually. We need to die. Anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I want to teach you the art of dying well. Not just living well, the art of living well means we are dying well, spiritually. Those areas in our life that just, we just need to crucify, we need to put to death. How do we live this crucified life? The letter of Galatians mentions the crucified life in three different ways, in three different areas in the book of Galatians. Now we're gonna jump to a couple of different chapters that we haven't really gone into yet. But, but there's three sort of ways that, that Paul talks about the crucified life. The first one we kind of already covered, the crucified self. We need to crucify self. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. This is the first area we covered. This needs to be done every day. How do we do that? You could pray prayers like this. I kill my attitude. I kill my frustrations, my pride, my anger. I don't want my nature, God. I want your nature. Let everything that comes out of my mouth lift people up, not tear them down. Let my ears listen to your voice and not be distracted by the noises of this world like what's in social media and beyond. Let my hands be used for good. Let my mind be the mind of Christ, thinking on things that are pure. Take my feet to places that will bring honor to you, Lord. Please go before me. Now, that prayer, that prayer may be good for about 24 hours. <laughs> Why? Because our sinful selves draw us back to another way of life. You want a good verse to help you out each day? Here's a simple verse, John 3, um, 30, verse 30. He must become greater, I must become less. He must become greater, I must become less. Or he must increase, I must decrease. That right there, it's a great prayer. Say that prayer every day on your knees. It's interesting, a, a, a man or woman on their knees praying and crying out to God cannot fall from that position. <laughs> if you're already on your knees, your face towards the ground, praying, can't really fall from there, spiritually. So we need to start each day praying that. We need to crucify self. Second area, we need to crucify our flesh. We need to crucify the flesh. This is not your literal flesh, 
but your passions and your desires. We read in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, we're jumping to a, a chapter, a, a pre, uh, sorry, a future chapter we'll go over, but uh, Galatians 5, 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. All of us have passions and desires that the world is telling you to trust. The world's message right now, this is the world's message right now. They say you can trust your desires and passions because that's who you are. That is a lie from Satan. (laughs) You can trust your desires and passions because that's who you are. Like for instance, if you're someone who gets angry, oh, that's this the Irish in me. I'm redheaded. Baloney. You're far from God. Right? Sorry for all the redheads. I mean to count you and point you out. That's just your flesh. That's just your flesh. You do not have to accept your passions and desires as your predisposition and your orientation. The world says that's just who you are. That's your orientation. I'm telling you today (laughs) that I would not be your pastor if I lived by my passions and desires. (laughs) I I, I wouldn't. I'd have to say, I I, I can't do this. I'm living by my passions and desires. And and we just, we we, we can't. Now, gosh, I'm, I'm far from perfect. But it's every day of crucifying the flesh with our passions and desires We need to come to a place that we recognize our passions and desires, but not trust them. Again, the world's message is contrary to the gospel. The world tells us that's how we are born. But God's word says we must be born again. (laughs) Oh, you're born this way. No, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. We must be made new it's very difficult for me to believe that you are, you are born again if you're intentionally living that lie. Crucifying our passions and desires is a choice we make every day because the devil will be there making sure our passions and desires are a choice for you to make. Every day. It's like you, you seem to make it, a, make it something you do. And you know what your passions and desires are. He you to take that and say, God, I, 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 take, I take this. And it could be something simple like worrying. You have a passion and desire to worry all the time. And that's basically, you're trusting in yourself rather than God. The reason why you worry is because you don't have an answer. You don't know what's going on. And guess what? We don't have the answer. But we can trust the one who does. It could be, Sexual temptation. It could be gossiping. It could be what we, what we do with our bodies. It could be lots of things. Anger, frustration, wanting to, wanting to put ourselves into a situation, want to build ourselves up, want to talk about ourselves more than others. It's so easy. It's so easy to... Um, to to be caught up in that. And the devil is there to help you. Here, want some more of this? We gotta crucify it. Let me encourage you to live by choice and not by feelings. 
We can't, we can't let our feelings dictate who we are or our choices. We have to let our choice, we have to live by choice. I'm going to make a choice. Just like Joshua said at the end of his life, in the Old Testament, he says, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care how we feel. I don't care how we feel. We are going to serve the Lord. I don't, I just don't feel like, I don't feel like reading the Bible. Can, you know, I don't know how many days, lots of days, I don't feel like reading the Bible. My soul is not just like, man, I can't wait. Now, there are days, it's like, man, I, I, I just love the Bible. And, but it's, it's laborsome for me. I'm just being honest. It's like, okay. I, but, but the more that I do it, the more my soul desires it, the more I thirst for it. But it's a choice you have to make. Most days, I don't feel like picking up the word. I don't feel like praying. But I've got to crucify that flesh. Some people don't feel like coming to church. They don't feel like it. So they don't. They let their feelings dictate their choices. Aren't you glad you're here today when I talk about this? We have to make the choice. We have to make the choice not be based upon feelings. Live by principle, not by pressure. Lots of different things we can share. So, we gotta crucify self, we gotta crucify the flesh, and the third and last thing is we gotta crucify the world. Gotta crucify the world. We see this in Galatians 6, verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What does this mean? It just means this. I am dead to the world. That's basically what Paul is saying. I am dead to the world. It means that the freedom we live is due to the world filter in which we should live. It's like you have a filter on your internet at the house, or you should, or on your phone, your kids' phones. I mean, you know, filter's important. The world filter should not allow things in this world inside of your mind, your heart, and your soul. There should be a world filter. There should be things as, as, because we don't belong to the world. We are dead to the world. We don't need to be drawn to those things of the world. In fact, we don't even need to go to those places that the world celebrates. Now, I'm not talking about everything. I mean, the world enjoys sports. I enjoy sports. I get into sports. And when it comes to talking about my team, I'm, I'm with my team. Right? But I'm talking about things that are, will draw us away from God and things that, that bring unholiness in our life and bring filth into our life. We should live a life of filter. Because, why? Because if you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are dead to the world. You don't have to be bound by that. You can walk in freedom and liberty. You don't have to be bound by that. Because the world became dead to you when you accepted Jesus Christ. 
If you don't, you don't need me to tell you, you don't need to have to tell you right from wrong. If you've invited Jesus Christ in your life, then you have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and you have your Bible. You have the Holy Spirit, and you have the Bible. That's why it's important you accept Christ as Savior. That's why it's important we live for him. Because the Holy Spirit will come inside of us and we will align, the Holy Spirit will align our spirit, our life, to what's in God's word and God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. And you have his word. All you gotta do is read it and heed to it. Read it and heed it. There comes the moment we need to, to break away from the world. I don't mean to pause but you need, a, you need a break. Students, I, I, I get a chance to, to talk to our students once a week. And, and it's important, students, that you, you're not, if, you, if you've invited Christ in your, in your life, you don't need to be like the world. There needs to be a break. Yeah, you, could, you need to be friends with people who aren't Christians, absolutely, but you need to move some of those friends to an outer circle in your life and bring other people who try to walk with God and want to walk with God into your closer circles with you. But the things of this world, we need to, we're dead to that. Once you've accepted Christ, you are dead to that. It should make you sick at your stomach. So, let's close with this verse found in 2 Corinthians. I love this verse. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Talk about from the world. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Be separate from the world. Crucify self, crucify the flesh, your passions and desires, and crucify the world. In other words, be dead to the world. I don't need to do that. I need to be separate from them. Not that you're like, you know, high and mighty. I'm better than you. No, no, that's not, the, that's not the, the posture that I'm talking about. You need to walk in humility. But you also need to walk in freedom. It's like, I don't need that. I don't need that. And so we need to be separate from that. So that is how we can crucify, the, crucify uh, ourselves uh, and, and we can be crucified with Christ every day of our life. We walk in that freedom. If you want change in your life, something has to die. Something has to die. What needs to die in your life? Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. As we close out, this is a, I really labored just in, intently for this message, just trying to make it clear. Sometimes it can be confusing. We, we try to I try to share it with you in a way that can be easily understood. And sometimes it's confusing to me. But the bottom line is, we don't want to live the Christian life out of duty. We want to live out of desire. And so the easy, one of the easiest ways that will help us with that is that we crucify. We're crucified with Christ. We crucify ourselves, the flesh, the world, we need to put some things to death. What are some things in your life that need to die? I want you to just raise that up to the Lord in a prayer right now where you're at or watching online or listening. I just want you to pause. I want you to 
just lift that up to the Lord. See, I need to crucify this. This area of my life needs to die. Maybe it's self-reliance. Maybe it's pride. Maybe some things you're not should be you're not you should not be listening to or, or or watching. Maybe there's some friends who are bad influence. Not that they need to die, but that relationship just you don't need to be bound by that. You don't need to be influenced by that. So, so that in, influence needs to die. Whatever it is, you need to lift that up to the Lord and say, "I choose life. I choose a tree of life." and freedom. I want you, Lord Jesus. And if you've never accepted Christ, you could do that. Just, I, just, I just need you, God. I need you, Jesus. Please forgive me. Help me to live for you. Help me to live for you. I'm tired of trying to be a good person on my own. It's not working. I give up. I surrender. I want to follow you. So come into my life. Let your spirit live inside me. Give me the freedom. Give me the power and the desire to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so um, we're going to continue next week in Galatians chapter 3. I want you to read Galatians chapter 3 and uh, as we talk about that next week. Now, in two weeks from today, we're actually going to take a break from Galatians. We're not going to be reading Galatians. It's going to be a specific sermon about what God has done and what uh, God is going to do within his church, Lake Point Church. And we're going to celebrate that. And that's going to be in two weeks. But then after that, we'll pick it back up again in Galatians 4, 5, and 6. So we've got a few more weeks of Galatians. But next week, Galatians chapter 3, go ahead and read that. Uh, and then start inviting your friends. Start inviting your family to a great celebration here in two weeks. You don't want to miss it, five o'clock, and uh, right now we get to have a little bit of soup. So um, don't worry about the chairs. We're not going to do that right now. So uh, just a moment, go ahead and stand in line, and, uh, and let's tell you what, let me pray for the food. I'll just do that right now. Father, thank you, Lord, for this fellowship. Thank you, Father, we get an opportunity just hear how we can serve and just uh, get to know people. I pray, Father, you bless this food in Jesus' name. Amen.